welcome to Let It Out. I am Katie, and usually I interview people, but today I'm actually airing a mashup of my second podcast. Some of you may listen to it. Maybe you listen to both. Maybe you just found this show recently, Let It Out, and have no idea that I co-host and produce a second podcast with my friend, the author and chef, Serena Wolf. That show is about mental health, specifically anxiety, and it's called Spiraling. We started it in 2019, and I would come over to her apartment once a week, and we would talk about mental health, and eventually we started recording it. And here actually is a clip of us talking about that during the first episode of this season, which is season four. So this is the first few minutes of the first episode of season four. Is that correct? Oh, that is correct. Right. We started this in 2019. So Mm -hmm. welcome back to Spiraling to everyone who's been along for this wild ride with us over the last very wild collectively three years, very wild (laughs) personally for both you and I, three years. A lot has changed. A lot is still the same. We're going to get into some of that today. What hasn't changed is that it's so much fun. And I guess something that has changed, I was thinking about this on our unrecorded pre-show that we do every time we (laughs) record where we, where we hang out for an hour used to be in person. And It's so cool that I'm so much closer to you than I was in 2019 when we started this. It is so hilarious to me. And I I don't know that our spiraling family, I know some of you have been here truly since like week one of the first season of the podcast, have noticed our closeness. Like I'm just, I think back to those first few recording sessions and obviously we felt very connected to each other and loved one another, but it is wild that we had these very intimate conversations with each other about such a personal topic having truly not known each other for that long like the first few episodes we had obviously done planning surrounding the season but i would say episode one was probably well episode one was a q a like we're gonna do today but episode two was probably maybe like the seventh conversation that we'd ever had in our lives. I mean, now we've had hundreds and hundreds of conversations. Yeah. But it is really cool to think about. Yeah, I mean, it could have gone either way. And like, there's so much <laughs> ease and honestly, probably more likely to have gone the other way, you know? Yeah. Like, especially I moved coast, so we're not in the same place anymore. Early on in season two, there was a pandemic, you know? And like, it's a kind of miracle that this kept going, (laughs) but I'm so glad it did. It would have been so easy for it to just be like, okay, cool. That was like a cool project we did once. And, you know, we kept in touch. Like, I feel like that is the more likely scenario. And it's a testament to how much we both enjoy doing this that this is still happening <laughs> yes as, as you all may have noticed we are still not doing podcast tours we haven't found a sponsor for this season yet but you never know if you just listen to an ad it means that we found a sponsor so i really hope we did <laughs> Okay, so that was the first couple minutes of the first episode of this season. And that episode is the best one or the one that I think I 
had the most fun in. We've been doing this for the first episode every year for the last four years. And this one came out this September. We recorded it earlier this year in the spring. But basically, we ask each other silly questions and then try to guess each other's answers. And you can listen to that. Of course, you can go over to the spiraling feed and listen to any of these episodes in full. But if you want to just stay here where it's cozy, where it's known, (laughs) I actually am going to put that whole episode, most of it in its entirety at the end. You can find out if we ended up getting a sponsor. I don't know. You'll see. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) But it's all in there. And that is at the second half, like an hour in 15 minutes or so in you'll get to hear that fun episode but what you're about to hear right now i'm dropping you in to the middle of the season (laughs) to episode four we do eight episodes a season and this episode i chose because well i'm most nervous to, to choose this episode it's the one that We discuss navigating different timelines and expectations for ourselves, both from internally and from society. And we spoke about, you know, considering having kids or not having kids, getting married, career choices, money woes, and comparing ourselves to other people and how that is just a recipe for anxiety for spiraling, if you will, and what helps us in that. And we talk a lot about, or I specifically talked a lot about shame and shame and embarrassment over money in general. Uh, In my case, well, you'll hear. (laughs) I was especially vulnerable in this one, maybe on the verge of too much. And if it feels that way and it's too too much openness or verging on (laughs) just fast forward and maybe go to a different episode. If it, if I opened the, the hood underneath what's going on a little too much, but I, I honestly got so many messages about this episode from, from people who were also single and feeling similarly about their money situation and, Honestly, you know, it, it makes me cringe a little bit to, to listen back and share it, but I also know what it feels like to be comforted by hearing someone else share vulnerably and openly, and that's why I picked this one. And Serena shares a lot as well, and she's in a really different spot financially and personally. She's been married for five years, and her and Logan have a really different life than than I do, and I think that's what makes spiraling work well because we both get along so well we're really good friends and we live very different lives but there's a real venn diagram of you know circumstances might be very different but feelings really aren't that different and emotions and we really connect so there's really something for everybody here at spiraling maybe you relate to me maybe you relate to serena maybe you relate somewhere in the middle or or not at all and we're just two weirdo friends talking about our mental health and you find it entertaining or or interesting. Anyway, here's that episode of Spiraling. The format of the show, which you might not know and it might be useful to know going into this, is we start out by each sharing our spirals, what we're spiraling about that week, 
what's been on our mind, what's been needling at us. And we try to talk it out and help each other. We try to tie it up in a bow if we can. We often can't. You'll hear that. Then we talk about a topic, which we plan out at the beginning of the season. The one you're about to hear is about comparison and money and the decision to have kids and aging and aging parents. And it sounds real heavy, but Serena's hilarious. And and we actually laugh a lot during all these episodes, regardless of what we're talking about, even if it's dark. And then at the end, we do a segment called High, Higher, Highest, which Serena, I believe, made up or learned at camp. It's a very campy exercise and I'm sure you've played it before, but it's, it's very similar to a game I used to play with someone I dated highs and lows, right? Where you say something good that happened to you that day and like the worst thing that happened to you that day, but we switched it and, or Serena switched it. She made this up and we just say three good things and we used to try to do them in order and we don't do that anymore, but you'll get the hang of it. So here you go. This is episode four of spiraling followed by episode one of spiraling (laughs) season four and if you want to listen back to any of the episodes dating back to 2019 they're all there for you in the podcasting feed and serena was a guest on let it out that was one of our first conversations I cry in that episode. I I remember that. Um, I was fresh out of a breakup and it was, uh, she was very comforting. (laughs) Anyway, I am so grateful that you're here, that you're listening. I'll be back with interviews very soon, but in the meantime, feel free to explore the spiraling feed. We just released our holiday episode, our special, our holiday special that we do every year where we talk about the anxiety of the holidays and what helps us. So that's there. And we also have holiday let it out kits. The link is in the show notes to those and you can figure out what that is. And I'm still sending out the let it out letter, my newsletter. So if you want to join that or receive those to your inbox or read them at all, just shoot me an email and I can add you. Or if you have any questions about anything or you just want to say hi, my email is just katie at let it out with three T's and the link to sign up for the let it out letter is also in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and, and trying something new if you are new to spiraling. And if you've been listening to spiraling all season, thank you. It means so much. And this is not going to be new for you. This is a repeat. So dive into another show, perhaps. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) Katie didn't want to start, so I'm starting. We're very excited to have you back on our favorite... I mean, spiraling recording days are my favorite days of the week. So, Can we we tell them what happened last week? Yeah. We had a plan to record. But we always talk before, as you you probably know. And we do our non-recorded pre-show. And... The non-recorded pre-show went so long and was so lovely that uh, we didn't have time to record at all. So that uh, was true. I always kind of like that. I feel like when that happens, it means that we weren't meant to be recording. <laughs> I completely it agree. Means, it usually means we had a lot to debrief on, and I feel like in those times, it is best to be letting it out literally, and then just like, being like <laughs> okay, we can we can think about these things and whether we wish to discuss. Well, I'm really excited about this episode. I feel like we did a my favorite episode from last season was the one about vanity. And today we want to talk about aging and 
in all kinds of ways, our bodies, expectations for ourselves, our parents aging, all these things. And I feel like this is the meaty one. So should I spiral first? Yeah, yeah, you go first. (laughs) I am having one prolonged spiral. And I love, I'm just being honest with you guys, this is the first season I think that we've recorded consecutively. Is that right, Katie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- well, I don't <laughs> I know. Like- Maybe the first season, we didn't know what we were doing or like what yeah, any of this meant. So true. I think we just yes. kind of... Maybe we did and didn't know. But the other seasons, we would come into these and be like... All right. Which, which one, one do you feel do like doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, I think... I feel like when we did that, our spirals were not linear in terms of just time-wise like we would be jumping around because like mm-hmm. we recorded something four weeks after an episode that aired the week before whatever it was so anyway um i'm enjoying this consecutive thing because now i can discuss the spiral from last week's episode which was that i had this meeting that i felt really unqualified for and it was just really triggering my imposter syndrome that continues to follow me throughout my life, no matter what I seem to do. And I can't remember, Katie, did I, t- did I say that like I had the meeting and it went well, and now I feel imposter. No, I don't even think oh, you had, had, had you just suddenly, this is where you left us off. You had suddenly okay. gotten news that you were going to have a big meeting and you had to rearrange your schedule and day and time to like, Oh, go in yes, to yes, yes, do yes. It. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is mushy as always. I so I had this. I rearranged everything. I was so anxious about this meeting. I felt a little bit panic attacky on my way there. I was meeting these two men, and I again, it's annoying that I can't actually like give you the full details. But in short, it's an opportunity that. I have always wanted, but never kind of gave up on a little bit, but still feel like I, I I can't do it. It's too much pressure, whatever. And I was like, I have to, this meeting has to go really well. But also I think deep down, I kind of hoped that it wouldn't go well because then that would mean I wouldn't have to do the thing, which is nuts. Like as a form of self-sabotage, <laughs> Yeah, it would be easier if it just didn't happen you know? And so the meeting ended up going really, really well. However, I have had a lot of good meetings over the course of my career. I honestly have really only had of hundreds of meetings. I really only like two or three stand out as actively bad. I feel like I leave most meetings being like, wow, that was amazing. Something's going to happen here. And then nothing happens. So that is why I feel like I have become incredibly good at managing expectations, which also is very effective for helping me manage my anxiety in the sense that I have... And by managing expectations, I don't mean becoming a pessimist. I just mean like, oh, like let's go into this. Whatever happens, happens. Don't get super excited. Hope for the best, expect the worst mentality. Mm-hmm. Tends, tends to actually play well with my anxiety. So the meeting went really well. I got a follow-up email like an hour later. I got to say, these guys are like really good with the communication. Follow-up email like an hour later being like, it was so 
great to meet you. We're so excited about this, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I really was like, okay, great. And it's like, we'll be in touch. Like we have to talk to our teams. And then I really, again, didn't expect to hear anything for a while, maybe nothing at all. And then a couple of days later, I got an email being like, we're so excited about this. Can you do a zoom with our whole team tomorrow? This was last week. And it was like, you know, 4 p.m. the day before. And I was like, yes, of course. And like, this is one of those things where I'm like, I will rearrange everything to make this happen. And then I was so anxious about that meeting <laughs> for like, you know, I don't know, 16 hours, whatever. I didn't really sleep. I was spiraling about everything because, again, then my imposter syndrome is like, you're not you can't do this. You're not qualified for this. And now you're going to be in a room with eight people, even though it's virtual you're going to be in a room with eight people and they're going to know you're not qualified to do this. And that will be the end of that. Good news people. <laughs> it went really well. <laughs> and then I ended up, you know, hearing later in the day from them being like, amazing. Like these are the next steps. This is what we're going to do. And Again, there are so many more steps before anything actually happens. But again, when I got that email, I was excited, very excited. But also the guy was like, I'm going away for a week, so you won't hear anything. But you know that doesn't mean we're not excited. We're doing XYZ on our end, and then we'll do this. And so what is so odd is that I felt super anxious, but I was like, oh, you don't have to feel anxious until they return because there's actively nothing you can do right now. And as the days have gone by and the return date is getting closer, I am getting increasingly anxious about these next steps. So I am currently... I mean, I've been talking a lot about this a lot in therapy and just thinking about it a lot because it's big opportunities always make me super anxious big professional things big personal excitement things like it's the big stuff that really does cause my anxiety to flare even if i am feeling like i'm in a very good place with it so i've not been feeling that anxious recently and that this kind of kicked things into high gear because it's one of the things that's just lingering in the back of my brain kind of like a needle list item but just much bigger you know and it's just poking me all day while i'm trying to do other things i don't know why it's more difficult with something big to apply the managing expectations thing than something slightly smaller i don't really have a neat way to tie this up i would like not to not drag this out i don't really see an end to it in the sense that there is the next step and then the next step and there are several steps, but each step is just going to make me more anxious because it means that this thing is closer to becoming a reality. And that feels like something that I'm not ready for. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to sort through a lot of things right now. And I think when you don't feel anxious for a long time, I can get really lazy with the, self-reflection, I guess. And also, I can get lazy about really 
digging deep into what is causing the anxiety because on the surface, I'm like, this thing is just big and scary, but I know there's a lot more underneath and imposter syndrome for me is also really closely tied with guilt, shame, and embarrassment. So there's definitely some correlation there that I'm just trying to tease out right now. And I'm not really sure what it is. So I really just wanted to update people on the spiral, which is getting larger. And I am actively working on it. I think sometimes it's important. I feel like sometimes with our spirals, we're like, there's no answer to this. And other times we tie it up really neatly. And I feel like this is a good in-between example where you can be actively working to extricate yourself from a spiral and there's no neat way to tie it up but it's also not like we're not just leaving it there like i'm actively working on it i mean i think what we were talking about before we started recording was just the rhythms that we all have of there are times when we're up there are times that we're down sometimes that swing is really giving us whiplash because it's so up and down sometimes (laughs) it's a bit more even but it's not really about tying everything up into a bow there are some spirals like that where it's like oh it was all in my head or (laughs) oh god this is never gonna end but i'm actually okay with it now like it just depends and anyway this is this is mostly really good news and you're just yes. in the weeds yes putting out mm-hmm. what phase of it you're in and that's it yes that's it you so know? that is a nice bow for now that's it. and i think it really is just a one step at a time thing so i think again the antidote to anxiety is always presence and i can't control what step comes after this step or if three steps later is actually going to materialize like just one foot in front of the other for the time being. And that is that. Exactly. My spiral? Yes, your spiral. Shall I spiral? Okay. Mine is is like somewhat simple this time. I think I maybe told you this privately last week, but I think I've been having a more existential long-term spiral about time and aging and being where I am in my life now at my age. I think when you're in your 20s, it's sort of like, all right, well, everyone's sort of figuring it out. And I'm a freelancer and I'm an artist or I'm a single person. And these identities of of being more undone feel more okay. And I think during the pandemic... Everyone was sort of in this like, well, we're all really struggling. And that kind of felt nice for a minute where it's like, okay, well, it's fine. I don't have to figure it out because nobody does. And we're all like, everything's so wild right now. But now it's like in whatever phase of what we're in right now, it's like, okay, no, people are like getting their shit together. People I know are having studios outside of their home or like an office outside of their home. And, And I don't mean like going back to an office. Like a couple of my friends here like got a studio and I'm just seeing my peers and my friends who are similar to me in age and career in a way have not only more success, but just regular accomplishments of where they would be at this stage in their life and career, which is for me in my early thirties. Right. And, and then of course, a bunch of life versions of that, of everyone I know, it felt like last week told me they were pregnant or getting married or a combination <laughs> of both. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yes. And 
that has been going on for a while. That's that's nothing new. And and usually with, with those big life things, that, that sort of thing, like I don't really have that. Like I don't know if I want to have a kid or not. Same with having a partner. It's like, would be cool. Hope I do it. Not that attached to it right in this moment. I have moments where I am. It just depends. But the one that really got me last week was for the first time felt really embarrassed about money. And money is not something that I've spiraled about really where I've always had enough. I've never had a a bunch, but I've always like figured it out and made it work. And I still will. I'm, I'm confident of that. But the last couple of years, like I really haven't been making very much money. I maybe made like a little bit, but not much. And I've had savings or unemployment or it's been fine. But again, everyone was kind of in that spot. And then now I'm like, Oh my God, I'm in my early thirties and I'm never going to be able to buy a house. And I don't have a safety net and I need to, I need to probably get a full-time job. And you know, it just became, it felt more dire. And that was like, okay, that was one thing. But then I started to feel myself have shame and embarrassment of like, oh my God, am I a fuck up? Like, did I feel like it kind of felt like getting a bad grade on a test? Like, I felt embarrassed that I was stupid, you know? And I feel like that now, like, I'm kind of like, and this is, this is where it came from. This is a specific bit because it is about age and it is about, like, I don't think I would feel this way if I was 22. But because yes. I'm 32, I do feel this way, right? Like, and I always mm-hmm. make this joke where I'm like, I'm doing great for a 25 year old. Like, I have a great <laughs> apartment. I have so many friends. I'm having so much fun. Like, that's great. But where are you, like, savings wise? And where, you know what I mean? So I had this conversation with a friend who was like so lovely and she's like, How can I help you? And it was my friend Christine. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I do copywriting, like freelance. Maybe I'm like trying to figure it out. You're always so generous helping me figure it out. Anyway, so I go to this website where it has a bunch of job postings and listings that she had sent me. And on there, her friend teaches a copywriting course, friend of a friend. And she was like, Oh, maybe I'll connect you with this person. I was like, Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And so I like click on this copywriting course and it says like coming soon. So I click on it just to like, you know, check it out because I know the person kind of know of the person teaching it. And you know how they put like quotes on online courses for someone to sign up, like testimonials? Yeah. So the testimonial on this was I went from making 70K in 2019 to making 200K in 2020 a year. And I looked at that and my like stomach, I felt like I was going to throw up and I felt so embarrassed. And I start crying, just like staring at my computer because I had just tried to apply for a copywriting job and it was like, need to see your portfolio. And I was like, all right, well, I don't have one. And then I like went to click on this course and I was like, did I do something wrong? Cause I was like, I have never made $70,000 in my life, even when I did have a full time job and not even close when I've been. And so I'm like, I felt so much shame. Like, oh shit. Like, did I super do something wrong. Like I really like my life. I'm so grateful, but I'm a, maybe I can't sustain it. And I felt both like scared and dire, but then I also felt, yeah, ashamed. And I think that the shame came from the age thing. And anyway, that's it. (laughs) No. Well, it's so interesting that you say that because I feel like I admire you so much in that you really have made this life for yourself that you really like and money is an annoyance like it's almost an annoyance to you katie and i recorded an episode of our friend's podcast together she thinks just bought it love that podcast but it was so interesting because 
don't want to say that <laughs> Caroline and I are materialistic, but like we like things. Like we really like to shop. We really like lots of, you know, like we want to make money to like, not just to buy things. Like there's a security element, but like we really liked things. And like Katie is a minimalist in the best possible way. And I feel like you don't need a lot of things. It's not like you sit around and you're like, I wish I had these things and I can't afford them. Like you, unless you're not telling me that I know there are like certain like things that would make your life easier professionally and you could have more space, but I don't even feel like you want more space. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the future element, which is why it's so triggering for anxiety is the what if, what if something happens? What if I never make enough money to do X, Y, and Z? I have all of these years left to live and you know, I'm, in my thirties now. And I think it's really the, again, it's the narrative that we tell ourselves and I'm not poo-pooing making money and, and seeking security because I think that often financial security can, you know, re- I think money is a source of anxiety for so many people. I think it's the number one stressor, which is obviously different than causing anxiety, but like it, it, it's something that is top of mind I think for everyone, I think when we get into our thirties, there's these expectations for money for, and with every decade, but like for money, for a certain familial status to make like big career decisions, et cetera. And I think what's really interesting is you did try the copywriting thing. (laughs) And I don't know if we want to discuss it at length, but it made you really happy and also i feel like that testimonial was false because they did not pay you a lot of money (laughs) yeah that's true like that in my case like i'm blessings to that person that they made a lot of money because i made none and i (laughs) it always cracks me up because it's such a ridiculous recruiting tactic and you know they could have found anyone and that's why we all have to be careful i'm so susceptible to like infomercials that come on after like face and Asian and stuff. And I'm, I'm like sucked into these things where I'm going to buy this cream or, you know, start go on this course platform or whatever. There's not obviously a quick fix because I do think it's important sometimes sort of like I'm trying to get to the bottom of why I have such terrible anxiety around progressing to another level so to speak of my career it's like it's important to tease out sometimes when these things come up sometimes they're not a big deal and we get over them but if the money thing keeps coming up which i feel like it has i feel like we talked about it a little bit last year too like i feel like it comes and goes Mm -hmm. sometimes it is helpful to just think about all of your options. And sometimes that does decrease anxiety. Like it's like, Oh, if I were going to get another job, a full-time, a part-time job, whatever that is to increase my financial security and possibly I don't love it. Does that increase my overall happiness and decrease my anxiety, even though it's not something that you're super passionate about. I think that there is sort of this annoying rhetoric that like we should all be pursuing our passions professionally and i think that you are somebody who works to live 
And I think that's uh, like a truly incredible thing. But I think that you just, you're so creative and you've been able to be so successful with podcasting that, and like your other creative endeavors, even if they weren't financially super successful. And it's hard to reconcile that because like, it's so frustrating that you, you do work really hard and you do make incredible things and you are not making as much money as you'd like, but the shame and embarrassment angle is interesting and worth, I don't know, a longer discussion just because it would be different if you were like looking at a friend or something. This was like a number from a website. And <laughs> well, it's, and, but, but I know her though. Trigger. Yeah. Oh, you do know her. Okay. Yeah. 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 She's Christine. She's my friend's friend. So, like, I mean, Got I don't it. know her well, but like, I think, and, yes. and you want to know something else? I know yes. she's younger than me. I think that's Ooh, another thing. Okay. Yeah. And I think, but this like bleeds into what we wanted to talk about anyway. It's, mm-hmm so weird that there are these things that we get hung up on and cause so much anxiety by comparing ourselves to one another, especially people younger. It's so wild to me because I know that people definitely do this to me, but I, I am 35 years old. I have been married for five years. I have no children. I have no immediate plans to have children, although I get asked about it all the time. If I meet somebody who has like a kid or two kids, I automatically think they're older than I am, which is nuts. <laughs> I know. I know. And same, like, same when like, I obviously lots of people have kids in their 20s, like some people in their teens, you know, whatever. But I'm like, oh, they have a kid. Like, how old are they? Like 40? Some people in their teens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. Fair. The child thing is like my number one anxiety trigger these days, aside from the professional stuff. But it does feel like, clock is ticking on so many things in your 30s. And I do not want to alienate people who are listening in their 20s because there's still a weird thing about aging or in your 40s or 50s. It applies to every decade. It's just right now, like the 30s, I feel like are particularly weird. And while I do feel... I'm curious to know how you feel about this. I am much happier in my 30s than I was in my 20s. I feel much more settled in every way professionally personally i feel like i and i I feel like i have a long way to go in every category of my life but i don't have sort of the what's next anxiety i don't have well, that's a lie. I have that all the time. I just feel more settled and it's not, it's not being married. That's not what it is. It's like, I feel like I am more comfortable with who I am as a human. I'm more comfortable in my own skin. I feel like I've like found my personal style. I feel like I know what I want out of my life. That doesn't mean that I figured out how to how to live how to live exactly that way yet like i just so you have clarity on what it is i yeah like i just feel like i know myself a lot better and i'm more comfortable with that i'm more comfortable with my strengths but i'm also very i'm much more comfortable with my weaknesses in my 30s than i was in my 20s they just don't 
bother me as much. <laughs> I don't know. But there's that's the positive. But aside, like, and that's a lot of positive. But aside from that, I just feel like every huge momentous life thing is what like is this actually the career that I want to continue for decades to come? Do I need to have a baby? Where's my forever home? All of those things. I feel like those are questions we ask ourselves more in our thirties, but do you feel happier in your thirties than you did? And now a word from our favorite sponsor, BetterHelp. Uh, there have been so many times when I've been stuck focusing on problems instead of solutions. Uh, this entire podcast is named spiraling because this is actually a a habit of both Katie and mine. We tend to focus on what's going wrong. Anxiety tends to make that worse. And then we just keep going down and down and down. One of the things that therapy has helped me with is changing my mindset. You know, I love a reframe. It can be really hard to train your brain to stay in problem solving mode when you're faced with a challenge in life. But when you learn how to actively seek out and find your own solution, there is truly no better feeling. And I am so grateful to my therapist for helping me with this. A therapist can really help you become a better problem solver and they make it easier to accomplish your goals no matter how big or small. We love therapy. What inspired us to try it is Serena was having a panic attack, to be honest, when she was in college. (laughs) (laughs) And she started therapy all the way back then. And we've both been in therapy. And and same, I had a a pretty, pretty dark experience in college that led me into therapy. And I've never looked back. And the benefits are outweigh um, any sort of apprehension that I, I would have had prior to starting. And what I love about therapy is that it helps you to get to know yourself and it helps you to get to know other people better. It can help with your relationships. If you're thinking about trying therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's a great option. It's convenient. It's accessible. It's affordable. And it's entirely online. Get matched with the therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can switch therapists at any time. We've all been there. (laughs) (laughs) We really have. So... When you want to be a better problem solver, a better version of yourself, therapy can help you get there. And BetterHelp is an amazing option. You can visit betterhelp.com slash spiraling today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash spiraling. I mean, I know you're new to I your don't therapy, know. I mean, I don't know. And well, I, before I answer that... First of all, I'm really happy that you feel that way, but you're three years older than me. Do you feel like you felt like everything you just said now? Do you feel like you felt like that three years ago? No, no. Yeah. So, (laughs) well, that's a, that's, thank you. That's comforting. I don't know. I, I, I do feel behind in my life. And I also know that like, I've always felt that way in ways. And there's been ways that I felt like I have been like a 30 year old since I was like 12, you know, and you're that very, was also very, kind of embarrassing. Very wise. And I feel like you really are an old soul. So I forget 
often that you are younger than I am. And I also feel like you talk to so many just like via your line of work. Like I feel like you spend so much time with people who are older than you are, especially in your 20s, you did. Yes, that's so true. I mean, I I think my experience is interesting in the sense of I don't feel like I had the 20s and my 20s that most people had where I didn't move to a city that I really wanted to live in and struggle to be there and have kind of the financial fears that I'm having now in my 20s. Mm. I I kind of did things backwards, you know? I I wrote a newsletter yeah. about this a couple weeks ago because it's just society and capitalism that makes us judge this. Like who says other than the baby thing, it's totally fine if my 20s were actually pretty settled and I had a, kind of a lot of money and my 30s I'm like yeah. not settled. It's just society that's judging that, right? And mm-hmm. and my friend Kayleen Schaefer wrote this book that came out last year. It's called But You're Still So Young and I may have mentioned Ooh, it here I before. I want to read that. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, that. she wrote this wonderful book about female friendship called Text Me When You Get Home and and it's ah, very yeah. journalistic and this one she follows I think 10 people or more very different. It's a really diverse group of people, everyone from like a comedian to someone who's a banker to, you know, and they live all over and all different backgrounds and marital statuses and wants and desires and whatever cities. And she goes through these five markers of success that make people and five markers of adulthood that were made up by sociologists in the 1950s. And they are, I think I can rattle them off. It's not in any particular order, but it's moving away from home, becoming financially independent, finishing school, buying a house and having a career. Or maybe it's not buying a house. It might be getting married. And um, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not having a career. I meant having a kid. Um, those are the things. <laughs> so yeah. first of all, she kind of goes through how those are antiquated of like our generation is one of the first that will have experienced two financial crises and a pandemic because she wrote this mm-hmm. enough into the pandemic that she was able to write about the pandemic within it. And a lot of the things that were possible for Gen X and for boomers aren't even possible for us now. So we've had to you know, renegotiate that. And it's a good read. But that that's kind of unrelated. But that was very comforting, right? And then yeah. at the same time, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess when I was younger, all that was modeled for me was that I figured by the time I was 32 years old, I'd probably be married. I'd probably have a career. I'd probably have a kid because that's what was around me in the Midwest. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I did know that I wanted a life that was different from what was modeled for me. I did know I wanted to move to a city. I didn't know that LA even existed. So like my life now (laughs) is nothing that I could have considered. Yeah. yeah, Like, like California was so foreign to me that I, I couldn't even understand what it would be like to be this West or how one would get here. You know, I didn't know anyone who lived here. Like I knew people, a ton of people who moved to Chicago. That was like a goal. Or I had a few people who like, I could see New York and I saw it on TV. And like that was something I wanted. And I did that. And I ended up here and I enjoy my life here. But I did sort of wake up around my birthday this year where I was like, oh my God, 32. Shit. All right. I came into this pandemic in my 20s. I'm Mm -hmm. now inching towards my mid 30s. 
unpartnered, unjobbed. You know what I mean? Like I don't have a job and I'm at this precipice in my career where it's like, all right, you did a full-time job. And and that's what I was going to say. Like in my twenties, I was much more measured. Like I spent the first five years of my twenties without really even having friends working essentially two jobs. I worked a full-time job and I did everything I'm doing now on the side, but like more. Yeah, Yeah. I did all of that and I didn't really have friends and I didn't drink and I was like, you know, pretty much had an eating disorder, you know, like yeah. still then really like I wasn't doing anything or going out or like doing anything at all. And then when I moved to New York, like I had acquaintances, but like everyone was kind of like the level of, of friends that you and I were like, you were one of my closest friends. And like we met in sort of a work context. Like I had a lot of acquaintances. I could have dinner with a different person every night and I like, things to go to, but it wasn't like I had a friend group and I was like, yeah, going to the same places or like, I didn't really have any of that. And my college was so bizarre too, because of the same thing. Like I didn't really drink. I didn't go like, I had a really backwards time. And so now I, you know, I kept making the joke when I turned 30, like I'm going to have the twenties that I didn't have in my twenties and my thirties. And that's like funny and cute for a second, but then it like becomes sad. Like I, I keep making the joke. How I live now is cool. Again, really like my life, love my bright studio <laughs> apartment, love that. I know everybody in the neighborhood, but like Will it still be cute when I'm 40? Like, do I still want or will it be sad? Will it be depressing? And I had someone on the podcast this week, actually. It was such an interesting experience that's so relevant to this conversation. It's a bit... We did not plan this at all. But she's someone who hosted this podcast. I Did you ever listen to it? It's called Millennial. No. It was a documentary series that started the year after I started mine in 2014. And her name mm-hmm. is Megan Tan. And it chronicles her like trying to get a job in radio. And, and mind you, we're the same age. And I remember listening at that time and being like, oh my God, this is exactly what I wish I was doing. I wish, you know, and, and you know what I did? I emailed her and I was like, I love your work. I would love to connect. I'd love to have you on the podcast, whatever, whatever. She doesn't email me back. I follow up. She does email me back and she's like, I can't do it, but thank you. Whatever. That was that. And then she goes on to be a prolific radio producer. She's made many, many shows since. She's she's incredible. Recently, maybe like a month or so ago, her publicist reaches out. She has a new show with Elias Studios. Her publicist asked for her to come on the podcast. So we did the interview on Monday. And we have this real radio moment where I may have a comment within it about... Because we're talking about the pandemic. She has a really incredible audio story on the show Wild about dating Mm -hmm. during the pandemic that I related to a lot. And we have a a very interesting conversation about that to to start the the show. (laughs) And somewhere in that, I say something that just sort of comes out of my mouth, which is... I don't even really know if I believe it was like, okay, yeah, I, I was kind of like, well, I don't know if anyone really feels like a, an adult, something like that, just to kind of move in the air along. And then she says, well, say more about that. What do you actually mean? And then I, I kind of just started. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think we're all sort of figuring it out. And I'm, and I kind of say a lot of these things I just said to you, like I did things in a behind sort of bizarre way where like everything I just said. And she was Mm -hmm. like, that's so interesting because for me, I started that project in 2014, finished it, used it as a portfolio piece, got all these other jobs. Like that's so far away from her. And I'm still doing that one. Right. So that felt Mm -hmm. really embarrassing, I think. And then Mm -hmm. she also was like, I've had to make 
choices where I feel very adult now. Like now I feel very stable in my thirties. And again, she's exactly my same age. And she's like, now I'm with a partner and I'm really settled. And I'm, you know, I don't do these spontaneous things and, and stay out late and do whatever, whatever. And she was talking about how these added responsibilities she has. And she's like, and I'm getting closer into buying a house. And these are the things I do and to make sure that that happens. And, and I'm sitting here on a day where I'm feeling particularly vulnerable about those things. Right. Oof. So she says all of that. And I just kind of take a deep breath and I'm like, wow. Yeah. Cause, cause in my brain, I'm like, oh my. and then, then it goes into like feeling like I'm a fuck up. Right. Of like yeah. the night prior, but I had gone not. out to dinner yeah. with a bunch of my friends. We always go to the bar on Sunday nights because it's quiet and it's country Western night. And I had two cocktails. I'm 32 years old. It's fine. But like, that's a lot for me. And I was like feeling a bit hungover the next day, which is like not a crime, but I felt like I had done something bad. You know, I'm being irresponsible. I'm, and that's not an irresponsible thing. No, it's to do, not at all. You know? Oh my God. And anyway, so, so, but that's in my brain. And so I say to her, I'm like, I just kind of take a deep breath and I'm like, Listen, that came out of my mouth earlier, but I don't know if I actually believe that. And and I think what I meant was actually we all just do things on different timelines. Like my 20s, mm-hmm. I think I had a lot of responsibilities and I've had to do a lot of taking care of things in my life that make it a certain way. And now I'm living a life that's like a whatever I, how I am living and yeah I just think we do things on different timelines and and then I just said to her live on the air I was like listen you want to know something funny like I actually emailed you in 2014 I it came up on my computer today when I was trying to send you the zoom link and isn't that funny like just time you know we have this like really sort of yeah. beautiful conversation about about timing and and she's Buddhist and so she shared a lot from her ah. Buddhist faith it w- it was really wise. And I I honestly, I did this thing that I haven't done in a long time. But when I started Let It Out, it was very self-serving. I wanted to get an hour of people's time, people who I admire. I wanted to Mm -hmm. get an hour of their time for like coaching, essentially, you know, and I would write down takeaways. I would like write them down a little notebook for myself. I would, I think I put them on my blog at the time, but I haven't done that in years. Right. And sometimes it doesn't like there aren't takeaways. It's just like entertaining or funny or whatever. I hope there are usually, but I literally took so many notes on this person and I wrote down so many things in one of them. And I think this, this comes from, from Buddhism, but she said, your current reality is a reflection of your past actions, right? So your current reality mm. is actually, I'm going to pull up the exact quote from it because it really hit me hard. And I think it's worth reading verbatim. The point is, it's like, yes, we are all on different timelines. And this person who happens to be the same age as me is that a different spot that I can learn from if I'm quiet and I'm not like in my ego of I should be there and I'm not like, okay, I'm not. And I want some of those things. Like I need to take some actions today to make my mm-hmm. reality in the future closer to that. And know that like we all have different advantages and disadvantages yes. and privileges. Yes. And like this yes. is, I'm talking to a person of color. I'm not a person of color, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I could be talking to someone and Kayleen mentions this in her book where she's like, there are other just kind of little economic things, right? That no one talks about of like getting a family car, right? Like that's not a huge deal, but I paid not very much for my car, but that's $6,000 that I could have like had for my rent if my, I would have gotten like an old car from 
my dad or my mom or whatever that like a lot of my friends who live in California have. Or like I thought about this the other day. How many task rabbits have I had to pay for to like hang my yes. pictures or whatever it's if like I had a boyfriend? Talked about, we talked about relationship privilege, which I mean, I totally. know people get annoyed at the term privilege, but it's like being able to split costs, even if it's not 50-50, like splitting costs with somebody brings that cost down. And in my like college friend group, we used to go on weekends away all together. And there were four of us who were coupled. And one of our friends was single for a couple of the trips. And she was like, you guys, like all of you are splitting a hotel room. I have to eat this cost solo. And like, it's expensive. I'm, I'm ashamed to say that I hadn't thought about it in terms of splitting costs. It's a very real thing. I have so many... Wait, keep going. I have so many thoughts on all the things you just said. That's such a relevant one, you know? Because I remember you telling me that and, and that felt very relieving. I'm like, yeah, that's that's totally true. And yes, there are some people who... Like, I could learn how to hang things in my apartment or I could, you know, all yeah, of these things. But all, Yeah. But also yeah. there's... Even just like having a parent close, you know, like I, I there's a lot of mm -hmm. advantages to not having my family near me too, you know, like I don't have, I have probably more time because I'm not going to every like function and I'm, yeah. you know, whatever. And also like paying for my flight home at Christmas, like that was mm -hmm. a lot of money that, you know, my friends who live here who chose to spend time with their family didn't have to pay or maybe a family member pays for that for some people. That's probably yes. a thing people do. Or maybe, you know, even like having my friend had their dad come over and hang curtains and i remember being like oh man i wish like it was just so silly and like and there are other people who like lost a parent or yeah, yeah. it's just we don't know or we don't know like maybe someone comes into family money because someone died which like that fucking sucks like i don't yeah. want that either but maybe that you know there's just so many things that we don't know but without knowing that we're still judging each other we're still comparing and i can't find the exact quote but instead i'm gonna read you a different one which is a concept about causes right so mm -hmm. Causes are thoughts, words, or actions. This comes from Buddhism. And if you... She gives the example of if you want to be one of the best writers in the world, say. Yeah. But you're telling yourself that you're not, then all the actions that you take to do that are canceling each other out because your thoughts in your brain have effects too. And she says that in Buddhism, there's a concept that it all comes back to us. Like you have to decide first whatever it is that you want. And then she does that every morning. She sees what she wants and she writes down exactly what that is. And I think that clarity isn't like you're going to manifest it. It's just that she's going to then that day take a step take to a step towards it happen. yeah and i think i'm kind of over here like i don't even really know what i want and mm -hmm. and i think that's something i need to to look at because she she was also saying you know i made the joke the night before with my friends like i'm well i'm i heard the daily episode i can never buy a house you know and like i say it kind of in this like funny way and like it's maybe true but like it's definitely going to be true if i keep saying that right and what she's telling herself every day is like i will be able to buy a house in la and i'm going to take the actions towards that and i think my my friend crystal gave me this piece of homework to cuz i'm not being like what was me like i need to make money and i'm like you know by myself like i know i can do it and it's going to be fine and I mean, I don't, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm trying to believe that I can. And 
my friend Crystal was like, how do you want to spend your day when you're 50? Like, how do you yeah. want to do it? And I, do, I don't know. Like, I was kind of like, what do you think? You know what I mean? Like, and that's yeah. something I need to, I need to sit with because there's a reality of the situation of like, what is possible for me at that time? Yes. And then there's also like a middle ground of like, okay, well, what would I want? And, and going back to what you said, to be honest, Serena, it's like, I get what you're saying about minimalism and all of that. And it's true, but it is true because I house it for my friends and I get to have these moments of like, wow, I have space and there's places to be and I get invited to things. And a lot of that comes from my relationships, but none of that is guaranteed. And gosh, it would be nice to have a yard. You know what I mean? Like I would actually like to have a nice thing someday. <laughs> or like I would, yes. of course I do want a lot of that stuff. I just have been able to work with what I've got in a way where I can choose to like it and can choose to have, you know, good taste. And I've gotten really lucky at some garage sales where I have a few nice things for not that much and I've made it work. However, I have to address what I actually want at my age. And that's something that you and I have had a discussion about on your end too, of where you are at your age now is at a level of success that like, even though we're different, I'm like, yes, I want you to have that, that thing. And I want you to be at this other level that's different and I can still appreciate that. And like, there's an influencer who I follow and, and I can think it's okay to say you do too, who is so different from me and aspirational, but it doesn't make me bummed. Like I'm not jealous of her. I'm like sick. I am going to have better style. The more money I have because or the better taste because I am open to seeing more variation. First of all, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I do think that this is something a lot of people relate to. I want to go back to one thing. First, Please. Please. So that you don't know the the word vomit that was like I don't know if anybody ever really feels like an adult and then you backtracked and said that everybody's on their own timeline. I agree with the timeline portion especially, but I also agree with the first thing you said. And I think that's obviously not true. I don't know if anybody feels like an adult because clearly she did and there are lots of mm -hmm. other people who might. But I relate to that. Yeah, I do not feel like an adult. I wake up sometimes and I still like giggle if I'm on the phone or something. I'm like, oh, I'll have to check with my husband. I've been married for five years. That's <laughs> it's like absurd to me. We own a house. I feel like I'm like play, de you know, decorating a house. Like Logan's also older than I am, right? So Logan's going to be forty next year. Like that's and that life stage does also feel a little bit different personally and professionally well personally i feel like logan and i are very much on the same level <laughs> <professionally>. yeah <laughs> four, you know extra four plus years makes a difference and i mean we got a dog and i'm like oh my god am i allowed to take care of a dog i'm 35 of course i'm allowed to take care of a dog i know it's but so funny i had that even even in my little life i had that thought like yesterday i was like isn't it cool i can stay out as late as i want i can do whatever i want like <laughs> and like i do think first of all my hangovers are brutal these days. Things like staying out all night and partying super hard and stuff. I don't do it just because I do not like the physical effects, but like the spontaneity is still very much in my life. And I'm sure people are listening and they're like, yeah, bitch, you don't have kids. But that's also something I was like, Katie and I were talking about being emotional. I like weirdly feel like oh, I'm going to start crying now. And mm -hmm. I, that's unnecessary. But like, 
people throw it in my face in a really unattractive way sometimes. Like I get messages sometimes from people. I don't think they're trying to, I don't think they mean it in the way that it actually hits me. But I think I told you about this, Katie. I'm just going to give you one example. First of all, friends who are listening, don't put your nonstick pans in the dishwasher. (laughs) Period. I don't care what (laughs) brand they are. Just don't do it. But somebody was like, you recommend... That's good to know. I didn't know that, actually. Never, never, never. I don't have a dishwasher. I never have. But I do house it a lot. So I just learned something. it's, It's the heat element. But it's also the fact that when you rest it in the dishwasher, yes, you can be really precious about it. But it's still going to move about a little bit. And it might get scratched on the side of the dishwasher or something. And it just breaks down the coating. Information some of you may not podcast people. But... But... I mentioned this a lot and she was like, I saw that these made in pants aren't pants aren't dishwasher safe. So do you have another recommendation? I was like, well, honestly, no nonstick pants should be put in. The, but I didn't want to say it. And she was like, some of us have children and don't have time to do things like wash our pants by hand. And I was like, that is so offensive Ew. that you're saying that only women who have children can be busy. Yeah. How about women who have children and don't can't afford to have a dishwasher? I've literally never had one in my life. (laughs) It's just like the way that hit me. And I've had other people say stuff like that to me. Like, this is a ridiculous example. Like somebody accidentally sent a DM that they meant to send to somebody else, which happens sometimes. And it wasn't mean, but it was like, yeah, of course, like she doesn't have wrinkles. She doesn't have any kids. Like, you know, it's like, Stuff like that. And it's just, it's just, it really, it makes me feel so insecure. Like if I choose not to have kids, which is very much a possibility. And I think that I could live very full, happy life without them that I am somehow, and it's just this insane, outdated rhetoric that I am somehow not a complete woman a fully accomplished woman, a woman who has a very full, I hate to glamorize busy, but like, it's like absurd to be like, you don't have children. So you don't know what busy feels like, because I also feel very strongly that like, if you made a choice to have children, that's wonderful. But again, different timelines and also different choices. I fully believe in like, you know, it's sort of, I'm not comparing puppies and babies right now, but it's one of those things where like I actively wanted a dog so bad. I could not be happier with my decision to make taco. That doesn't mean he doesn't make me want to pull my hair out sometimes. So I totally get being like, I have children and my, like I want to scream and whatever. Again, not saying a dog is as much to handle as a child, but like, it's not that you can't complain about it or whatever, but it just like, it really, really chaps my ass that like societally a woman in her mid thirties progressing towards forties, fifties, whatever that has no children, like is somehow less than because that's mm-hmm. the vibe I get from those messages. And then it contributes to my anxiety, which is surrounding having children because I am undecided. I have not, I feel like when I make decisions and that's, that's where this anxiety about money, about finding a partner, all these things. It's like, if you actively make a decision, I mean, I know this is really, but if you were like, I, I don't believe in monogamy. I never want to have a singular partner. I'm just going to like have encounters, relationships where they come without that goal. Like making that decision, I actively think would probably cause less anxiety. I know that's not what you want, but like, it's like a, 
if I were to know firmly that I did not want a child, I think I would feel a lot less anxious about it. Because whenever we've talked about this in the past, it's like decision making anxiety. And that's Mm -hmm. my current biggest decision making anxiety. It feels awful. I just like I wish I wish we were less judgmental of one another. I feel like that is when, and again, we don't give ourselves enough compliments. I feel like I'm really good at being very careful about respecting everybody's different life choices, different mm-hmm. circumstances. Like I do, that's one thing. I think yeah. in my thirties, I am incredibly self-aware to a fault mm-hmm. in the sense that I often like, Katie knows it, but like I really beat myself up about a lot of things that I don't think it's I, I know deep down it's not productive or necessary, but like I Yeah, you're too hard self- on yourself. That's something you need to to work on that we went over in your yeah. coaching session we had last yeah. week with me. But like, I am very self-aware and it really bothers me when people like still it's and it's the well-meaning question surrounding and this is we could do a whole episode on you know anxiety surrounding <laughs> being a woman of this age and having children but that is something that i think about a lot and i'm also like it's funny because going back to what you said about people not feeling like an adult on one of my group texts with my contracts it's so funny because some days i'll just, yeah i'll just wake up to a text being like Hey, and do you also think it's weird that we have like we each have two children? Like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, what? Like I am responsible mm-hmm. for two humans today. How? How? And I don't know. I do know a lot of people, my parents' generation, who are like, I don't feel like an adult. I'm 75. And yeah, I, I there's so much, and the spontaneity too is a is a choice. And like I I know you mentioned in that conversation the radio conversation she'd been like well you know like we're not going on whatever like logan is honestly the most adult person i've ever met but like he went to four fucking widespread panic shows last week like he does you know and again he's a fun guy we're dealing with a fun guy over here (laughs) fun guy but like you know i i feel like we i feel like i still do lots of spontaneous things and like yeah, I'm more tired in the morning than I was when I was 25 or more hungover if I was like out partying. But that's also a choice. And there's no timeline for being like, you can't like go to like a Tuesday night concert and stay out till one in the morning if you want. I mean, that is the flip side. That is the plus side of being an adult, even if you don't feel like one, like we do what we want. (laughs) Right. And that's the Uh, thing. It's like with having kids, you have to do more planning that with that sort of thing but it's just like as long as you're honest with yourself there are people who have kids who have really intense drinking problems and are like yes. drinking wine all throughout and like no one really yes. talks about that or like you know what i mean like and it's just like well they're like, you know and it's like there are people who can have addiction and it can be really dark or there can be people who can drink casually and it can be fine like there it it just yes. it's really a self-honesty thing that you have to only you can know. And 
I don't think I have a drinking problem at all. I'm pretty sure I drank like one time in my 20s. I mean, not really, but like kind of. And then (laughs) just because it was different now and it's not like I drink every night or go out every weekend or, do you know, I worked all weekend and I went, did something with friends on one day. Like, it's just you are the only one that can know. But I think just seeing people's lives more than we probably should for our mental health isn't doing this any favors. Strongly agree. I kind of feel like we should make this one a two-parter because I want to talk about also like this just made me think about the fact that as we enter our thirties and get older, we're also dealing with like our parents Mm -hmm. getting much older and that's an anxiety situation. And we didn't even get into like the actual physical aspect of aging which I feel like I want to talk about different aside from just the stuff that we tackled in the vanity episode. Yeah, let's and do so, it. Let's do a two-parter. Let's, yeah, because I feel like this time we really Sweet. covered we covered money and career and yeah. like social. But what yeah. we didn't cover is like physical. We didn't talk about death, you know, like to set this yeah. up for next time. Yeah. I had a friend recently lose their dad, a re- my one of my closest friends. And one thing I'm not mentioning with this episode with Megan and why she said that about adulthood is that... And this is a really big point and a responsibility that I don't have right now, which is that her dad, who's aging, moved in with her and her boyfriend, right? Like that's oh a huge God. responsibility yeah. that I don't have, right? So I see how she feels like an adult and I don't, right? Like that's mm-hmm. like a really totally. big piece that I didn't share that feels really relevant. So it's like, yeah, some life circumstances will make you feel like an adult very quickly. And there are other yes. life circumstances that I'm in right now that make me feel kind of childlike where I look at some of my peers who I grew up with who have like four kids in a house and I feel incredibly childlike in comparison and comparing apples and oranges, not one is better than the other. It's just different. And that has to be okay. And I think we can have a whole nother discussion about those elements next time. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited about that. Me too. Um, Should we do some quick highs? Quick highs. Okay. I will start because they are top of mind. One, Taco went to the groomer today and like I can't handle it. So Aww. floppy and like absurd. Is this on your He's story? Like, yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Please go. Like I had to like reveal him because it was just, it's so, I can't look at him without laughing. And like then I have to tell him how handsome he is because I don't want him to think I'm laughing at him. She's <laughs> just. It's just absurd. And then I had like two... I had one... Okay, so obviously no particular order. So taco getting groomed. I made a really good recipe this week. And I feel like I've been kind of... Actually, I made a few good recipes this week Mm. for for different things. And I just kind of feel like I've been feeling really stuck and and really not wanting to do recipe development recently. And so I just haven't. And then you kind of get scared. You'll never get it back. And then that was, that felt really good creatively. And then two of our best friends came to visit on Sunday and Monday. 
and their son is Logan's godson. And I was so happy to see them and they're just the best. And the kid loved taco and like their whole thing was like so funny and adorable. And I just, I couldn't handle it. I was so happy. So those are my heads. Uh, those are so good (laughs) and i really like i think that's such a relevant one to today to talking about career of like yeah sure maybe we have like doesn't it feel good to do well at the thing that you're and feel good about your work like that's a thing that we're prioritizing right now and it feels good to do it well and and i think that that's yeah that's important to say and some stuff's just not in our control too totally Related, I'll give the same one. Like, I feel like that that interview with Megan Tan, like I was yeah, it, pretty nervous about, and it kind of started off sort of because of that bit I shared, but I like the episode and it's gonna go up this week, and I feel good about it, and it feels kind of full circle that I wanted to have around back then, and then here we are, and our lives are different, but it's gonna be okay. And like, yeah, that, that, that felt nice. What else? What else? I, I think this is kind of just a vague one, but I had such a low day on Monday. I was about to get my period and felt really depressed and really anxious and just really pretty terrible. And then the next morning... I had a plan to... My friend Captain has a membership to the Huntington Garden. Have you ever been there? No. The Botanical Garden? We should go next time you're in town, but it's really close to me. Uh, It's in Pasadena, but it's like 20 minutes and he has a membership. And so he goes every morning at 8am, they were open in the pandemic and he walks around the whole thing. And then he comes and gets a, gets a coffee and he invited me to go with him this week. And I met him there at eight and I got out of bed early and I, I was feeling terrible, mind you, the day before. And I, that was the first thing I did the next day. And here I am like talking with my friend, like telling jokes. We walk all around the botanical garden and we get into the cactus section and he's like making jokes, like watch out, you know, like because of my cactus thing, if you know, you know, we like had these magic um, mind. It was the sponsor for let it out these little drinks. And we pretended that they were, uh, they have like medicinal mushrooms in them, but we pretended that they had like psychedelic mushrooms. And he like did a bit that he was like, Oh, now I feel like, you know, we just were silly and it was really fun and early. And then, you know, it kind of knocked me out of my thing. And then this will be my, my last one. But when I got to the coffee shop, you know, we went together and and he had already like gotten my coffee and our other friend was there and the three of us sat in the back and we were chatting and it was just a, a nice time to like be with these two dudes who I really love and are like so gentle and sweet and, and we're sitting there and we start talking to this other guy who he's wearing a Synespia hat like the um the movies that they do at the cemetery and one of them starts chatting with them and they're like, Oh, are, like, do you, do you work for them or something? And he's like, yeah, I do actually. And we have like the nicest chat. And he was so humble. He was like, at the end we figure out, he's like, Oh yeah, it's mine. Like I like founded it. And he was so cool about it. He was like, but you know, I never usually wear the hat. And like, it was, it was really funny. And he like walks away. And then our friend Tim was like, Katie, run, go get him, go get him. And I was like, what? And he's like, go ask him to be on your podcast. And, and it was just, it made me so happy that I was like, okay, first of all, I would never do that. Like, but it made me so happy just to have people like care and say something like that, that felt like everyone was on the same team together when I had felt so lonely and sad, just (laughs) mere hours before, you know, it's just funny how quickly 
our brains can change. I like that. Those are good ones. All right. That was smack dab in the middle of this season of spiraling season four, episode four. If you liked that, dive into the rest of the season. What we usually say at the end of each episode is that even though we talk about mental health, clearly we are not doctors. We always do a disclaimer, which I will do right now, that we are not mental health professionals of any type. But as you heard, we did get a sponsor and we truly love therapy. And whether you use BetterHelp or any sort of therapist, that is the type of person who you can really dive into mental health issues with who is qualified to help you not us but we can hopefully help you feel less alone or entertain you and uh, maybe even make you laugh so with that i give you the first episode of this season which is serena and i coming in with funny questions like what are our favorite books that we usually recommend to each other what's our current drink situation what are we doing coffee wise cocktail wise and what else there there's many more and you can stop listening now or uh keep listening or go into the the spiraling feed maybe this is not for you hard no on the co-hosted situation no problem you like me in the interview chair just uh hang tight i'll be back where i belong very soon but thank you for trying something new if you did and here is season four episode one of serena and i getting back into the swing of recording together. Oh, and you're about to learn a lot about Serena, and I'm sure you already know her and love her, but if not, she's written two cookbooks, and she's an incredible chef. She teaches cooking classes that she started doing during the pandemic, and she's actually coming to L.A. as we speak. She's going to be on Access Hollywood, which by the time this airs, I think it will have happened, but she's a regular contributor there, and She's my really close friend, so look at everything she does. She's really smart and funny and just one of those people who I love being around. And I think you probably will too in an internet sort of a way. And I'll be sure to link to how to do that in the show notes of this episode. It has been just the best always talking to you is wonderful but i feel like doing this has been sort of the best use of a lot of nervous energy honestly over the years but it's just been a really fun experience first of all but i feel like we really have built a huge community around this i noticed this for the first time right before the pandemic hit when i was on the dude diet dinner time book tour and that was after season one and I remember so many people coming to the events and like being like, I think it's great that you wrote a book, but I'm a spiraling listener. <laughs> we're really just like there to hang. And I feel like we've connected with so many people on a topic that has really gotten so much more normalized over the years since we started recording spiraling. And that's actually something we plan to talk about this season is how the societal discussions surrounding anxiety and mental health in general have progressed over the past, you know, three and whatever years that we've been doing this podcast, but also since we 
were in college, since we were kids. I mean, things have changed a lot and very much for the better, in my opinion. And I just love that this podcast has given me an excuse to hang out with you on a regular basis, but also just has made it so that people feel comfortable sharing with us. We're super grateful for you all. And I'm grateful for you, Katie. Yeah, me too. And I think I went on and on about how this connected us. And that's true. And that's the the primary part I think about and see and experience most frequently. But also, thank you to you listening because all of you are the reason that we keep going kind of although i feel like we would we would still i feel like we are talking to no one sometimes and, and we would probably still be going but but truly like yes. i've gotten so many incredible messages from people and people that i've met as well over the years in different places and it's nice to be missed like people have asked when spiraling is going to return. And yes, that's a cool feeling. And I am really grateful. And today is going to be our plan is to keep it tight. That's always yeah. a plan. God Never really speed. pans out. This episode, which by the way, everyone, we are going to do what is now a four year tradition. We're going to do a Q&A episode, not Q&A using questions sent in by listeners, but questions that we are going to ask each other. We thought we would mix things up a little bit this time. We came up with some questions that we want to ask each other, but before the other person answers, we want to guess what we think they're going to say. So for example, we asked Katie a question, but I say what I think her answer is before she actually answers. That may not make sense, but it's about to. <laughs> yeah, it's like a game. And I think it's it like plays off well to what we were starting the episode with, which is that we've, turns out, gotten closer over three years, four seasons of doing this. And yes, I'm also like, wait, so we did one in 2019. We must have done two in 2020? 20, yeah. And then I one think... in 2021 no. or something. Two in 2021? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter, but I thought we released every September. So maybe it really is four seasons, four years. Wow. We are, <laughs> I don't know, people stay tuned or somebody do the math for us and tell us. <laughs> 19, 20, 21. Yeah, this will be 22 in September. So yeah, so it is four years. Four, yeah, four years. Yeah, so it is four years. Okay, cool. I don't know why I do not trust my brain anyone these days it is just absolute mush in the spirit of keeping things tight wish us luck with tightness in season four we are going to kick things off with katie's favorite question and i do feel like we've talked about this in every q a what are your current favorite drinks i'm gonna ask katie this first and i'm gonna go right ahead with my guesses here (laughs) i'm gonna hazard a guess that Katie's elixirs, which are things that she makes oh, yeah. in like a fancy ass teapot. 
apartment. I don't know what she puts in them, but I'm going to hazard a guess that that is her favorite daily drink. What? How many drinks are we doing? I don't know. Are we doing like categories of drinks, like alcoholic, non-alcoholic, and like special treat? How do we want to line? Give me what. Give me whatever you want. I just like to call. I just like to call out the loyal listeners and harken back to the episode in which Katie discusses the maman like oatmeal cookie latte because that still brings me a lot of joy when I think about it. Yeah, I think it became kind of a trope on season one because (laughs) this definitely has changed over the years based off of moving to a place that has a different climate than where I was living and living in the pandemic where like I wasn't getting drinks out at all. Yes. Several factors changed this, but I think like at the time of recording season one, I didn't really drink coffee. I was like new to coffee and getting a lot of weird yeah. coffee drinks around New York. Like and the oatmeal cookie latte truly sounded disgusting. Yeah. No offense yeah. to my mom, which I love. <laughs> yeah, um, you had your book launch there. Yes. You can say that. <laughs> okay. So I'm sticking with elixir as like your day-to-day drink. Don't tell me if that's right or not yet. Okay. And then for alcoholic beverage, I truly feel like you don't drink very much alcohol. But I wanna say just because you're in LA and like you are you, I'm like, is it like some sort of like natural wine, like an orange wine or something? <laughs> don't don't answer because I have to do mm-hmm. my other like so that was a day-to-day and alcoholic beverage and then like a special treat drink. I know that you drink coffee now, but I feel like it's LA so it's hot. And I feel like you like that like the iced coffee that has a foam thing on top, like a air. I don't know. I everyone knows I only drink my coffee with half and half and Splenda, and I do not like coffee drinks, so I don't know what they're. Called. It's like an arrow. I know press, what so, what you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. is it okay? Those are my guesses. Now you can tell us the truth. <laughs> okay, and I'm very excited to do yours. Okay, well. The I like that you call it an elixir. It's the same thing. I call it an infusion. It's, oh, an infusion! I, oh my god! I really tea. thought it was elixir. <laughs> elixir, elixir. I think when you're doing like maca and cacao, and you're like, you know, and which I used to do years ago too. But um, this is, yeah. I mean, it's just it. It is your like fancy tea thing. I mean, sort of. But I just like fancy to. Probably most people, but I think because I do it every day, I just, if you take a bunch of herbs, like I do nettle and oatstra and alfalfa, and it's just really full of minerals and I like the taste of it. And they say it helps grow your hair, which, you know, I'm still waiting to see, but I'm going to keep doing whether it's placebo or not. And I don't know. I just, I make that every day ish and I drink it throughout the day with hot water in it because I just like drinking hot things. So that's Mm -hmm. like a a staple everyday thing. And then I also really love, I don't know if I've talked, I'm sure I've talked about this before because I've been doing this like since I lived in Michigan, but have I talked about C clear here? Mm. So it's this probiotic miso that I have been buying forever. And it's like really hard to find now. I'm pretty sure it's like going to be discontinued one day, which like someone check on me if it is, but it's just this 
probiotic miso, but it has turmeric and black pepper and spirulina and chlorella and like the whole gang. And I used to have it a lot when I lived in New York and I've recently been craving it again. It's not even cold, but I just like it. And I use it sometimes to make like a sauce, like I'll put that nutritional yeast and coconut oil and I put it on peas and it's like my go-to comfort food for myself. This is very interesting. (laughs) I know it's like so weird, but I drink that. Not weird. We never, we never yuck, yuck others' yum. yums yes. in this family, but I am True. very intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be making that for you when you come over. Um, and anyway, so I drink that throughout the day. And then, oh, I will say not to like toot my own horn, but I've been really... I had a birthday somewhat recently and I made all these like goals for myself. One of them is better sleep hygiene, which I'm not doing well at, but I am doing better at hydration, like just drinking water. I'm really shitty at drinking water and I'm doing better because I got a water bottle that I really like. If we were doing that podcast we just did where you showed an item that you really liked, I would have chosen this uh-huh. water bottle if it had been today because... Anyway, whatever. I just have a water bottle I like. So I'm trying to drink more water. And then natural wine. I mean, you were kind of right on the money. Like that was definitely like Q1, Q2 of the pandemic. I was around a lot of people who were really into natural wine. So I was like, you know what? I think I could be good at this. I was really into wellness at one time. And so I was like reading a bunch of natural wine books. I work at a natural wine store one day a week. Mm. But... Yes. It just didn't really land. <laughs> like I I was listening to podcasts about it and now I'm just like, wait, what's what's uh skin contact and carbonic maceration? Like I'm like, ah, it's, it all kind of went in one ear and out the other, but I do like like a chilled red, if you will, and I you know, uh-huh. I, but it's not I'm not as into it as I thought that I <laughs> would be. But I will say this bar in my neighborhood that that we go to uh, will will go next time you're in town where I have my birthday party. It's called Good Housekeeping. Christine DJ's there. I'm going tonight. I just like a mezcal drink, like a mezcal cocktail. There used to be one that they took off the menu, which is a, a real sad situation and they cannot make again for some reason. It was clear. Like it was... I don't know how they did it, but it was really just a mezcal cocktail. I don't even know what was in it, but I really loved that. And I always try to ask them to make me something similar. And every time it's not nearly as good. But that would be my fun drink. And I feel like... Wait, I had one... Oh, and then coffee. My coffee situation has changed like immensely since we last spoke about this. And okay. it's just that I, I like coffee now. Like I just like black coffee. You know what happened was in New York, I, I didn't really have caffeine at all. And until I was like cold and I would just like pop into places and try these weird lattes such as <laughs> including but not limited to the Maman uh, infamous cookie oatmeal cookie latte. But then when I got here, I suddenly was like, oh, I guess I'm going to try drinking coffee and I would get coffee with a lot of oat milk. Like the the person who would make my coffee every morning at the place I would go would be like, he would make this joke every day that like made me feel kind of bad. And he would be like, here's your oat milk with a splash of coffee. Like I would get a lot of oat milk. And soon after that, I moved in with these dudes and they would, the coffee shops all closed. And then Mm -hmm. we would make coffee And by we, I meant him, (laughs) the person I was living with. And he would make a pot of coffee and then we would take it into go cups and we would go do this hike every morning with his dog. And it was this really nice ritual that I really enjoyed. And he just drank it black. And so I was like, (laughs) I wanted to be cool. And so I was like, I guess I'm doing this. (laughs) So I just started doing it. And 
it was fine. Like I was like, Oh, this is like fine. And so I, I just started doing that. And then when I moved out of there, I was like, well, I guess I'll have oat milk now. And so I, I started to put oat milk back in it. And then now I, I still switch it up. But recently, I think they just like forgot my oat milk. Cause now I have this ritual. That's like, as you know, I walk a weirdly long walk every day and I go meet a bunch of friends at the coffee shop and I get a coffee and then I walk back and it's my favorite part of my day. And I really love it. And I'm so grateful that I get to do it. And I usually do get, oh, I do get like a drip coffee with oat milk. And that seems to be a good combination for me. But recently I stopped getting the oat milk. I think one day they just forgot and I drank it and I, it like, t- it reminded me of like that time. And I was like, oh, wait, I guess I like this. And so I've been getting that. And sometimes an Americano, it, because their drip machine was broken. And so same thing. I was like, well, I guess I'll try an Americano. <laughs> and like that was fine. So no milk, milk, whatever. But I g- always get it hot. No, no iced. So you were off a little bit in this, this answer. Yes. You would never have been able to guess this because these were all like circumstances outside of my control. (laughs) As everyone knows, only Katie can talk as passionately about her drinks. I mean, I've never met anybody who is as passionate about her drinks as Katie. So I feel good that I was at least, I mean, I called the the infusion the elixirs, but I feel like that's an easy mistake to make. (laughs) Yeah. You, well, you got that right on the money and that you did have, to be honest, you did have a uh, handicap with that because we did just talk about it in the other episode. Well, and you just, I think you would have gotten that either way. You knew knew that about me, but I even have a tattoo. Did I tell you I got a new tattoo? No. So my friend Zoe drew an abstract map of the weirdly long walk I do every day. And it's just like weird lines. But I got this tattoo around my birthday. And it's like from my house to the coffee shop. And you can like, I could show you like where it is. You know, you would, no one would know. But it's like to the coffee shop and then up the hill that I go and then back. And I love that routine so much. And I think like we we really love routines and rituals here. And and I know that... Well, I'll go into doing your, your drinks. But I know that, that the way we have coffee is one of those markers for us That's my other cute. answers will all be tighter this i we knew was going to be my longest yeah yes definitely. <laughs> okay should i guess yours oh god yes guess mine okay i think yeah i think yours have like not changed at all That's i my, know my I guess know. except one thing so i think okay, coffee me. i know is is your one coffee yes linda and half and half that's a given yes um yes and then i know you're drinking our previous spiraling drink which is ginger lemon tea with more more lemon right correct yes and then i think the one that's changed or at least enhanced over the pandemic which i think is beautiful is your cocktails your blender cocktails that would be your fun drink right i so i think like if we're doing so we're doing like every day alcoholic and then like special i don't know that like i fit as easily into those categories because i still think you're you know that with the coffee i mean i have my coffee every morning exact same way and like even if i go out for coffee i'm gonna get drip coffee and i'm gonna put half and half and spend that like (laughs) 
that is just who I am. And the ginger tea, yes. Actually, because it's more... Well, everyone, I, I hate to break the third wall here, people, but you're listening to this in September. We recorded it in May. Happy um, Labor Day! Happy, yeah, we're like, happy Labor Day that is actually Memorial Day. I always get this too confused. Same. But I am about to kick off Frozen Summer Fridays again. So on Fridays, we do a frozen blended cocktail. Yay. But truthfully, like my alcohol drinks have remained, they remain the same. Like I'm either drinking champagne or I'm drinking tequila, basically on the rocks, maybe with lime, like maybe with, you know, a little bit of other things in it, like maybe a margarita. But honestly, like I'm weirdly boring. Like I like to make cocktail recipes and like have a cocktail, but like, most days, I, I mean, I don't drink most days, but like most times if I'm having an alcoholic beverage, like it is champagne or it's like tequila on the rocks. Do you but like mezcal? I do like mezcal, but I prefer tequila over mezcal, but I do appreciate like a singular mezcal, like on the rocks with like an orange wedge. Delicious. Smoky. Logan loves mezcal because he likes all smoky things. The big, big green, green egg of, of tequila, of spirits, of spirits. Yes, exactly. Okay, so we got through our favorite drinks. <laughs> took us an hour. I, took took us me an hour. an hour. I'm thinking, even though it's out of order on our list of questions, uh, next one that I want to do is, what is your hype song? Now, to me, a hype song is a song that you listen to like when you want to get fired up in any capacity. I know we all often have like different songs for different things. It would be your walkout song, you know, if you were a baseball player. Uh-huh. Like, what would it be? And I, oh, I have to guess first yeah. what yours would be. <laughs> this is going to be so hard. I have no idea. I'm laughing because you. I feel like I want to pick something. Like, I want to pick something from a band that, like, I don't even know the yeah. band just because I feel like that's what it's going to be. Because I feel like Katie has, like, cooler, more niche music tastes than I do. But, like, I also want to pick something else for you. <laughs> oh, this will, it'll just be funny whenever we pick for each other. Just do the first thing that comes to mind because I just had a random one pop into my mind for you, which, like, I have no idea why, but I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> You know that song? Hold on. I'm literally at my computer, so I can't. And it was playing in the car the other day. This is the only reason I'm probably thinking about it. Um, that's who it is. Uh, do you know the song Brave by Rachel Platten? Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew you would hate it. But for some reason, I can just like picture like a, like in the background of a video of Katie like walking through L.A., I don't know why I knew you were going to hate it, but like, it's just the first one that's coming to mind. If I had, I should have thought about this more deeply. There's also like people who do acoustic covers in like the BBC one recordings of other people's songs. And I feel like one of those might be it. <laughs> I feel like you're going to also cringe at the one I say for you. So it's funny. No! Okay. Yeah. The one that that song. It. I know that song. I could, I'm pretty sure my mom sent it to me. Like when it came oh, out, God. And was like, <laughs> "You are brave." Or something. I was like, "Okay." Oh, no. <laughs> um. But the, and I when you said this question, I was like, "God, I have no idea what my hype song is." But then I just like thought I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, I got it." And it's um, it's semi charmed life from Third Eye Blind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is also like could be one of my karaoke songs. <laughs> Wait, that is first of all, that is an amazing song. So deeply respect that. Second, Third Eye Blind was my first concert. 
Like Whoa. my first, well, well, Elton John and Billy Joel was technically my first concert, but like my parents took me and like they were going, so I had to go. But like Third Eye Blind was the first concert that I went to where I like I wanted to go to it. It was amazing and it's one of my favorite songs of all time so that's amazing that's so fitting i love yeah. that for you yes yes on fourth of yes. july this year we were doing like a karaoke for some reason and i impressed a lot of people with my um vocals on this track that is amazing i feel like you owe it to spiraling listeners now to do a video karaoke situation yeah it could um, i'll try to dig up the video that one of my friends took and send it to you because it could be an instant happy right up there with Logan on the float. Oh, yes, definitely. Tell me what you think my song is. For some reason, the first one that popped into my brain for you was uh, Katy Perry Firework. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so now we've equally insulted each other. I know. Well, I don't know why uh, or where that came from, but I was just like, I could see you being, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> To be honest, I do not like hate that song, but I just finished watching that WeWork show and the guy who was the founder of WeWork loved that Katy Perry song, uh, Roar. Isn't oh, is it called yeah. Roar? Like that whatever. So like for the... some reason I can the two, although they're different songs, but similar vibes. That one was like a good, that makes sense that he would like that because at the company that I used to work for, they would like play that as we came into all of our like company meetings. And I like interesting. Wow. It, there's probably like some like startup science around it or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My actual hype song is Welcome Back by Mace. Like, I mean, have you ever no? Are you kidding, Katie? Just for the sake of this conversation, you have to listen to like the very beginning of it right now. Luckily, I am in in fact, at my computer. Hold on. <laughs> I'll probably okay. recognize it. You will recognize it. Also, it's the beginning that really hypes me up. Hold on. I have to take... While you're doing that, I will share my first concert while you're pulling that up. Oh, no. Was... I already pulled it up. Oh, okay. What was your concert? Tell me your concert first. Dashboard Confessional. Oh, yeah. That makes sense for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Welcome back. Welcome back. Can you hear that? Yeah, I really like it. Oh my god, you know something. I have never heard that track in my life. That is not true. I refuse to believe this. Um, You have definitely heard Welcome Back before. Oh my god, it did not sound familiar to me. I'm gonna listen to it. You're gonna listen to the whole thing and dance on my large speaker that i in the house that i'm in right now and it is truly an amazing song like such a good hype song i also just want to tell everybody who's listening if the talk of hype song is exciting you last year on my birthday i asked people on instagram to submit their hype songs to me and i made a playlist on spotify there's like an old school hype which I put everything before 1990 and a new school hype. And there are two different playlists and they're amazing. It's just a lot of people's hype songs. So oh, that's well, a good anxiety. Like add semi charmed if it's not already in there. Yes. I will. I feel like it is on there, but I will good. definitely add it. If not, this episode is sponsored by better help. We love therapy. We always have, we talk about it all the time and knowing how to find solutions to your own problems is no better feeling. And it's really hard to do that for ourselves. It's really hard to do that by ourselves. And 
therapy is really the only way I've been able to take a problem and be able to reframe it and be solution-oriented and use the skills that I've gotten from a therapist in conversations with other people, in my day-to-day life when I don't have the luxury of talking to a therapist in that moment. Skills that I've learned from therapy have stuck with me and helped me to be able to accomplish things that I didn't think I would be able to without getting to the other side of a problem and finding a solution. So we love being solution-oriented. We love therapy. And it's really a part of the show. We do have an entire episode on how we love therapy. It's changed both of our lives for the better in so many ways. And if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is an amazing option. It's super convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Again, the convenience factor of that is huge. So you can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. Doesn't take a lot of time. And switch therapists at any time. Also huge. Visit betterhelp.com slash spiraling today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash spiraling. We are not keeping it tight, Katie. What is, know. What is your favorite dessert? Before you answer, I feel like (laughs) you're not a big dessert person. Is that true or false? I know you've been baking a lot. That you've been baking a lot. Yes. Yeah. Tell me, are you a big? Are you? But that's only to procrastinate the work, as you know, that I don't want to doing. So I'm doing that instead. Um, and I just like give it away basically, and I like making cakes for people. There's something about like having nothing and having like this flour yes. and shit and then like making something that's very satisfying to me, but I don't really like eating it. Um, I totally or I'd rather that. eat other things, but yeah, that's correct. Do you have a guess on what I would choose? Uh, I feel like you'd be a cookie person. Like a healthy cookie? <laughs> like a healthy cookie. Like we shared a cookie at lunch. Oh, yeah. The last time That's I saw you, cookie. I felt like you were really into it. It was a good cookie, but... You weren't that into it. I'm pretty sure I ate the rest. It was not a real cookie. <laughs> yeah, it was like mostly <laughs> almond butter and like chocolate. Yes, yes. Um, but maybe you're like one of those people that eats a couple squares of dark chocolate as like a treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's correct. <laughs> I know yours for this, but I'm not a a cake or cookie or cupcake person at all. But I do like a pie or a galette or like a cobbler. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is on the same track as like the healthy cookie. My, My friend Sophie hates. I love this. She says, I don't like any type of fruit that used to be hot. Like any and and Ooh. even like jams going to because her her friend Noah was like have some of this jam it's so good we got it special and she was like yeah hard no I don't like fruit that's warm and he's like it's not and she's like used to be <laughs> so a lot Weird. of people don't like that do you like fruit desserts yes I love fruit desserts. oh cool this is like, part of our Venn diagram I love cobblers I love uh, an apple crisp speaks to me in the fall. I love, love, <laughs> love a lemon tart. I love key lime pie and lemon meringue pie. Like, I really I like That's where we desserts. diverge because I don't, I'm a hard no on the lemon shit. Oh, no, that's just very upsetting. I love lemon flavored things. I will often cook fruit to like put on top of, like, not, not go full jam, but I'll saute 
apples or something and a little bit of coconut oil or like some berries with maple syrup and like cinnamon to like put on top of yogurt or in the morning or to put in overnight oats or like put on top of my oatmeal. I love warm fruit. I'm a big proponent. Also, you know what you need to do that I think you would really like is this recipe from the dude diet that I recently we made for this dinner party and it's basically like a home version of bananas foster but it's basically like you slice a banana in half and then you saute it in some coconut oil to like get it kind of caramelized with a little bit of maple syrup and you can put rum in there or not it's totally optional and cinnamon and then you can put like coconut cream or ice cream or sorbet or like something on top of it but it's so good. Like caramelized bananas to me are just delightful. Anyway, I love fruit desserts, but that's not... Now you have to guess what my favorite Yeah, is. I think I know yours, but just briefly to add to the banana thing, my friend Carolina, yeah. when we were camping, I think this is like when, when her and her kids and her used to be husband were in Iceland, I think it's, this might be a Nordic tradition, but they'll take bananas and put them in tinfoil and, and bake them. And that's like a thing they would eat every night camping which I thought is like a really fun camping food. Yes. Yeah. I love that. On a stick even, which I don't know, maybe kids would just be like, uh, can I have some more please? You know? (laughs) Okay. I think you're, you like cake, right? Like you're a cake person. I fucking love cake. Yeah. Yeah. We we've discussed that. I know that. I love cake. So that's an easy one. I am a cake person. If anyone's keeping score on our friendship. (laughs) Yeah. I have lots of different tiers of cake. I really love the Momofuku birthday cake. It's basic, but like, I just really like it. There's also this cake. It's a caramel cake from Caroline's Cakes that my mom used to get for me. And I still get one pretty much every year. And it's a seven layer caramel cake. And it's just so good. But I will take cake in pretty much any form. It has to be a moist cake. Like I know people also hate the words moist, but like it has to be a soft cake. Like I do not like hard, dense cakes. I like like a true, like a yellow cake or a chocolate cake that's fluffy. I love cake from a box, like Duncan Hines cake, delicious. Funfetti, delicious. Just love cake. So basically, I have been essentially commissioned, except for free. So I'm not sure what the word for that is, from all of my friends to make a certain kind of cake that I think that you will love. And when we are together next here, I will make it for you. And or if I come to visit and and just to quickly take note, if I do come to visit, I know you'll want to make us in decision toast, but I feel like I would prefer that fruit dessert thing for us to have because that fruit topping on oats, that sounded incredible, whatever you're talking about there. I am going to make you this cake. So this is a Midwest delicacy and it's the easiest thing in the world. And maybe you know this and maybe it grosses people out. But have you ever had a Jello cake? No. Ew. Like, okay, um... but let me walk you through this more. So yes, you make you make a cake from a box, and then you poke holes in it with a fork, and then you pour Jello in it, and it makes it so moist. And my friend Christine I... loves it. But that's not what I I'm need... going to make you. Okay, <laughs> but go on. The the one that I make is a version of that, but it's cake from a box and then it's lemon. And I, I make a lemon pudding and I put it in like into the batter. So it makes mm-hmm. this really tart lemon. It has pudding in the batter. So it's like a really that, tart lemon. Yeah. That I like that. Yes, definitely. I made yes. it for my friend Dustin's birthday recently and I made it three layers. I've got to send you a photo. Ooh. And his partner, Heidi, had gotten like a 
really fancy cake from like someone very fancy that was that was very expensive but i had also made this cake and so everyone like tried both and um i think people are just being nice but the consensus was that mine was better and it was very i feel like you might like this one that i no, i definitely will like that one and i do like i do support putting and stuff like that in cakes all, very all very moist yes okay very moist that's all um <laughs> that is all okay if you could only if you could have one really cool talent that like you do not have what would it be i think that you would want to have a really good singing voice is that correct yeah or yeah that's correct i, I can we add good to i'd like to be a singer songwriter so just add yeah. guitar with that <laughs> yes, yes and that's also, correct. may i just say that you would be an excellent singer songwriter i know it's really a travesty really, that's yes. gonna pan out for me so far what do you think mine is i want to almost say singing voice too but i think it might be like some sort of athletic ability maybe like tennis or something this is not far off. Um, first of all, it, I ordinarily it used to be singing, and I still think it would be amazing to have a good singing voice because I do not. I am tone deaf, and I used to be a very good tennis player, and now I'm not. So, like a normal, like a true goal of mine is that I would like to be a better tennis player. But I feel like that's feasible. That's like a talent that's like within reach for me. Yeah. I would say I'm like moderately, but I am. I'm very coordinated, and that tends to surprise people. I feel like people think I'm not athletic, which I can understand, but like I am decently athletic, very flexible, very coordinated, just not super motivated, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't. I well, I no, know. you were oh, really yeah. when I met you, you were really on it with um, friend of oh, with my, my podcast, Joshua Jackson, going yes, to yoga my hot yoga, yes, that is yeah. Correct. And then you um, just found Melissa, and that was yes. actually like funny that that was the first thing we did together. Like we yes. did that together. That was like our first one-on-one hang. <laughs> I can't believe that. That feels like so long ago. Um, I, but if I could have one talent, it would be to be a really good dancer. Not just like, 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 I feel like I'm an okay dancer. I'm not a very good dancer, but I'm not like an, a terrible dancer per se. But like, I would love to be able to do like a full like hip hop routine. I took a hip hop class in college with a few friends and it was a pretty hilarious crew of us. Very unexpected, but we took it. We took it seriously and that we looked forward to it every week and we would like go get burritos afterwards, which was kind of the highlight, but we would really dress up for class and it was a drop in class. There were different people every week. And I feel like people were always kind of intimidated by us before class started because we were like really dressed for the class. You know, we had these just for the job you want. Yeah. And we were just like, we, we looked serious and then the class started and we all sucked. Well, one of us was kind of good, but like we all pretty much sucked. And I think people got a real kick out of how bad we were, (laughs) but we went anyway. Yeah. I just think it would be so cool to just be like a really awesome dancer. I don't know. There's still time. And I think that that is within reach for you. Maybe that will be my next hobby pursuit. I think it should be. I am not coordinated and not good at direction, especially physically. And I remember (laughs) during our Melissa workout, Serena was like correcting me. She'd be like, hands up, no, hands down, like (laughs) backwards. Remember that? And we did make a choreographed routine for spiraling with the song, which I think we we should do again when we're in person. Bring that guy. Yeah. 
So I love this one. When people ask you for a book recommendation, what's the first thing that you recommend? Um, my guess for you is I feel like it's like something, <laughs> it's like a book of poetry or like an accurate told. <laughs> Wait, what is it? What is I it? knew you were gonna say it's like some sort of nonfiction self-healthy situation, which which sort of tracks. But and that definitely is what it would have been in the past. I think it this for me changes like seasonally or or, or like yearly. But what I've been saying recently, the answer to this question is this book of short stories called The Book of Laughter and Forgetting. Have you read that? No. This is this is a cool story actually that is short. But basically, when my friend Crystal did the podcast, she like <laughs> sent me a voice text after, and she was like, "I don't know why, but I feel like I just have this like intense urge to like give you a lot of gifts, and I don't know why." And she's like, "I feel like other people maybe feel this way about you, and I just I don't know. I want I'm gonna like give you some gifts." And I was like, "Okay." And she, when she moved to New York, she. Oh, so she started sending me one book a month. Like just they would show up and no no explanation of why. And I would read them. And the first one was the book of laughter and forgetting. And so I asked her, I was like, how did you find this book? And what is this? And why do I love it? And like, how, why are you sending me these? You know? And she was like, the day she moved to New York and, and she's in her 40s. So this was like in the the 90s at some point. She met these people and she sat on a stoop with them and talk to them. And I think she like smoked a cigarette with them. And this was like in the East village in the, the nineties. And they had a really great conversation. And then the girl that she was talking to was a bit older than her. And she's like, wait, don't leave. Like, just don't go anywhere for a second. And she goes inside and she comes out with this box and she's like, I was about to donate this to Goodwill cause I'm moving, but these are all the books that made me read all of these. And Crystal was like, oh, okay. and she took them and she read all of them. And so now she sends me one once a month. And that was the first one. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a really sweet story. So I've been giving that one away a lot and recommending it to people. And I don't even really know how to explain it, but I actually think you would really like it because it's, you know, it's fiction. It's short stories. It's yeah, it's cool. I love that. Yeah. For you, I feel like it would be a really good, well-written, entertaining, medium, mm-hmm. trashy novel. And I don't know which one. I, did you really like The Royal We? Like, I remember you really liking that one a long time ago. Or did you hate it? One of the two. No, I no, I really liked it. But I feel like that would not be like a, t- a top rack. It doesn't have to be new. But no, that would not be my top rack. But you're correct. It would be medium trashy but i think like i really it's hard to pick one because i feel like i read people when they ask for like book recommendations like if i don't know them at all that's a different thing but if i know them a little bit or i can get a sense of them i'm like do you want medium trashy thriller or romance or like something in between those are like the two categories to me it's like either a thriller or a romance the idea of you is what i recommend to anybody who is remotely interested in reading a romance it's actually very well written and it will haunt you i mean i'm gonna read it everybody it's like borderline erotica in the best possible way and it's arguably people say it's harry styles fan fiction but it is unbelievable best steamy romance ever i really do think that you would like this one katie but i always if it's if i like can't get a read i always recommend an absolutely remarkable thing have you read that or heard of it 
It is the weirdest novel. It's set in the current now. Basically, the concept is that these robot statues just pop up in cities all over the world. Like all of a sudden, one day, there's these huge robot statues all over the world and in just in major cities. So there's a girl who like makes the first sighting in New York City and posts a YouTube video about it. And she basically becomes this monster YouTube celebrity based off of this. And then she posts sort of updates on these robots are called the Carls. And nobody really knows what they are, where they came from, why they're here. And it's basically like an exploration of the nature of celebrity these days, of social media stardom, the existential questions we all grapple with, like, where do we come from? Why are we here? What is the meaning of life? What happens when we become so self-absorbed that we think that we're more important than other people? The main character kind of has this like weird God complex and is also a narcissist and like a little bit crazy, but it's so weird and so good. And I love it so much. So I highly recommend it. Well, anybody I'll listening just, has uh, a credit. Let everyone know in the time that we've been here, I have ordered both. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I really think you're going to like them. Report back. They're not your usual style, but I think you're going to like them. Yeah, this is, well, my summer reading's complete. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, this is our last little one. And then we're going to do an anxiety-related one. Because that is likely why many of you are here. <laughs> we couldn't remember if we discussed this on the podcast already. But somebody asked me during one of my Q&As like months ago if I was a toilet paper folder or a crumpler when like you go to wipe. I am now deeply fascinated by this question. And I have asked a lot of people and it is hilarious because people feel very, very strongly about whatever camp they're in. And it also turns out that in a lot of relationships, it is very rare to have two folders or two crumplers. Like I have yet to ask a single couple and find that they both do the same thing. So I'm a crumpler personally. Logan is a folder, which wow. I just find so weird. Are you a folder or a crumpler? This is hard. <laughs> like I don't, I think I'm a folder. I'm pretty sure I'm a folder, but it's not like I'm like, bold, bold. you know what I mean? Like I'm doing this with my hands, but I'm like, it's not like I get into art mode. I just kind of grab it. So maybe I'm a crumpler. I'm like, honestly, not sure. I don't fold it back and forth, back and forth. I just kind of grab a bit. And I think that's a crumpler. Okay. I think you would know if you were a folder. Like you don't have to have it folded perfectly before you go to wipe. What does a folder even do? Folder like, like folds the square is like on top of one another. So it's like a flat square or a flat oh. rectangle. Okay. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I have a theory about this. I think for number twos, sure, mm -hmm. you have time to deal with that and fuck around with that. But if you're peeing as much as I am and wiping every time, I pee very quickly. Sometimes it's like I'm done and wiped in like 10 seconds. I've done it on calls. I've done it while recording this very show. And no one knows. Like, I don't have time to fold. I'm crumpling. Yes, I completely agree with you. And I also, everyone's argument is so different. They're like, oh my God, if you're crumpling, like you're going to get things on your hands. And I'm like, if you're folding, you're going to get things on your hands. Like I'm like creating space between me and the things. I don't know. I feel like the people who are folders are very staunchly folders. Like they insist upon it and they think everybody else is weird for not. Okay, so we're going to end with these. What is your current biggest anxiety trigger? I'm not going to guess. I feel like with these, I just want... I think we should just tell each other. 
Okay, I think you would have gotten this one just from the yes. show. <laughs> just like work. Like I basically had to take on a freelance thing for money and general life anxiety. Kind of where my stuff usually goes to if it's not like in a very specific interpersonal situation. If it's not there, it's in like a more holistic, like generalized Oh man, like, am I going to have enough money? Am I going to be able to keep living my life? And I recently had to just like take on a job that I'm not really suited for. And I'm like trying to parse that out and it's causing me a lot of anxiety. Everything's temporary. We'll see how that unfolds over the course of the season. Buckle up. (laughs) Buckle up. Man, that was, wait, that was also very tight, but I, I don't know. I feel like that's a very relatable one, truthfully. Yeah. And you have that one, I think, in a different way, in a different form, but everything I was saying, I felt so understood. Like we basically did normal spiraling before this. And I uh, (laughs) heard my spiral about this, or we would have been like talking about for a couple of weeks when I was in the indecision part of it. And, I made the decision, which Serena knew was like probably not a good decision for me. The way that you spoke to me about it is from someone who deeply understands, you know, and knows me. And so I think you have also experienced like exactly what I'm experiencing. Yes. Different terms. Just different. And I, I think a lot of people do. And I think there is like the indecision element. And what Katie and I talk a lot about, because you know we love a reframe in this family, is like sometimes once you make the decision, it's like, okay, this was bad. But like once you make the decision, if it feels like super bad, you know you made the wrong call. And we always talk too about like course correcting. Yeah. And it will work itself out, but also there are silver linings to every decision, even when it's the wrong one. And and leaning into the good aspects of the decision helps in the interim until you know you're able to sort of extricate yourself from the position that you've gotten yourself into, which may not end up being terrible. You know, yeah, it's early stages. Yeah, and I I was saying this to you before as well, but for me, I know that this decision is correct for me because the alternative of not doing it would have caused too much wondering anxiety, which is something I experience, which is like, sometimes it's easier for me to just go to the thing rather than have a mm-hmm. out, which is like silly. But I feel like in this, it w- that was sort of the situation. And if... If that's the case, I think your dad's quote about success teaches you nothing. Like, yes, I'm learning a lot from this already. And I haven't even really started it. I've just like been starting the anxiety of it. <laughs> yes. 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 yes and baking yes. instead of doing it's, it. It's, yeah, it's the anticipatory anxiety. That's half of it. Yeah. Um, what about you? Oh, man. I feel like I have a lot recently so again it's weird to be discussing this one i know it's going to be released so much later but i recently got a puppy yay welcome yay. taco thank you and like weirdly i had a ton of anticipatory anxiety right before i got him so that i feel like was like my biggest anxiety trigger of late but it was very short and very temporary which was actually a new anxiety experience for me because once we made the decision to get the dog, because so much of my anxiety lies in the unknown and the decision-making process, 
Logan then didn't have anxiety, but was just like, did we make this wrong decision? Like was really waffling. And I was like, no, like we have already made this decision. He's like, you're being so calm about this. And for me, like once I make the decision, I'm like committed to, to it. And that brings me a lot of peace. But then the few days leading up to getting the dog, I was so anxious. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna know what to do. I'm gonna be so bad at this. Like, how am I gonna keep him alive? I don't know. <laughs> I was very anxious. And then I got him and I am very tired, but I do not feel anxiety, which is weird. I just like really expected it. I think a lot of my anxiety aside from that incident, which kind of took over everything was I have a lot of existential anxiety these days. And I think that's partially a result of just the news feeling like it's bad all the time and makes me question. I think it makes a lot of us question like our day to day. What is our purpose? What is the balance between living our lives and being of service to others and why do we spend so much time on our phones and in my case why do i feel beholden to strangers at all times and is the news ever going to get better these past few weeks it's just been like a lot of really really horrible news just every single day and i kind of felt like this early in the pandemic where i was like you start to be like, what if this never gets better? And that is that just like causes me that underlying, the bad underlying anxiety that I haven't had kind of since the early days of the pandemic, where I just wake up with like a low grade anxiety that just feels bad. We know that our amygdalas, when they're in hyperdrive, that's we're feeling all of this anxiety. And I used to talk about this a lot in therapy. It's like the whole goal with our coping mechanisms, with therapy, even, you know, medication, like all of these things. It's like we're trying to like get our amygdala back to zero. And when you have a lot of anxiety, if you think about it like a gas gauge, well, gas gauge, like a, like a speedometer, if you want your amygdala to be at zero and then like say like, 60. I'm so this is the worst metaphor. I'm just trying to think of it. It's like you're you're waking up and like you're if 60 is like extreme anxiety, you want to be waking up at zero, right? But instead you're waking up at like 20. Like your amygdala is already it's too much. It's too much. I'm not articulating this well. This is terrible. Uh, no, I get it. I'm following. I've been just waking up with that like bad anxiety feeling. And I I hate that. And so I feel like I'm having to work a little harder to get back to zero. And zero feels unrealistic just to stay on the low end of the spectrum, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I do think that I'm really grateful that I have such so many anxiety tools because I feel like I really have been working them hard. And I do want to point out, because I know everybody knows this, but sometimes it, it, if there's a gentle reminder and like, I feel like recently Logan's been like, I think you're just really run down and that you can forget that when you're really tired from doing a lot of, whether you're doing a lot of things or you're not, there is, we all have lives, right? And life yeah. is a lot. Being a human is a lot. We talk about that <laughs> this podcast all the time. 
being a human is hard. And then you add bad news or something like a puppy where then you're not, I don't want to compare puppies and children, but like, you know, maybe there's, maybe somebody's sick. I don't know what it is, but you then are whittling down your sleep on top of being busy and maybe stressed as well. And that lack of sleep is an anxiety trigger for a lot of people. It's sometimes just comforting to be like, okay, it's okay for you to be feeling this way. It's always okay for you to be feeling this way, but there is an explanation. And sometimes there's not, we know that very well, but I do find it comforting when I can pinpoint things like that to me is very soothing to my anxiety, not for everyone. But if I'm like, Oh, wow, like you've slept a cumulative you know, 20 hours this week, of course, you're feeling anxious. Like that's fine. That's sort of where I am. That was very long winded. And I'm sorry about that gas gauge no, explanation that made no I, sense. <laughs> I, I was following and I thought it made a lot of sense. I enjoyed it. On a happier note, what is your current favorite anxiety coping mechanism? I've been doing this a thing where, I mean, it's essentially alone time. Like I'm just needing a lot of alone time. And I think I used to be really afraid of alone time to the point where I would just fill all of my time and run around New York city and then going to everything. And we've kind of made a joke of that here. And then, you know, running around the world, staying with people, going to everything. And then I was sort of forced to stop doing that. Like we all were at the beginning of the pandemic and spend more time alone. But I kind of didn't because of the weird mm-hmm. situation I was in of like, I was weirdly around people consistently more than ever before. Cause I was living with people where at a time where no one was doing anything. So I was like, we were just forced to be together. And then suddenly I was, when I moved into my studio apartment, I was not only alone for the first time in years, like living alone ever, but also in a new city, also in a new city during a pandemic, you know, and like kind of like plopped. And I just very quickly made friends and like neighbors and and just kept doing what I was always doing until recently where I've like settled down and I'm like, Oh, okay. I was doing that because I didn't want to feel the uncomfortable feelings that I didn't want to feel. So I'm filling my time to distract myself. I am overwhelmed. So I don't really know where to begin. So I just end up doing nothing and like fucking around instead because that's easier than choosing and starting and like doing a hard thing. And that self-awareness through time and therapy and perspective has just showed me like, oh yeah, you need to spend a lot of time in solitude and get some stuff done. And it's not as fun as, um, you know, filling your time socially. And that has forced me to say no a lot. And that has caused a lot of anxiety, but it's also become an anxiety management tool is like saying no. And I do this thing with myself where like getting something done, I allow myself to like, just go outside for a minute. And I like, it's not even a walk. Like I just kind of like walk to this certain spot And I like listen to a song or two and I like look at the 
trees <laughs> and like then I'll that. go back inside and like that's it but I, I've been spending like a lot of alone time in my apartment like I'm not like running to a coffee shop to work or like going to the next place or like you know and again like most things that I've mentioned here everything from my coffee situation to things I've learned about myself have been so out of my control you know like just surrendering to what is in front of me and being like all right well this is the way the cookie crumbled right now. So I can either resist it or I can just lean on in and I'm trying to lean on in. (laughs) I think that's amazing. And I think that sometimes that self-awareness is like the hardest hurdle to get over, like gaining that self-awareness and saying no is hard, especially when (laughs) being alone is sometimes not as much fun, but I think that's wonderful. I love a good walk and staring at the trees. Yeah. Um, That's a very good one. What is my favorite coping mechanism right now? I mean, I obviously love me some Melissa or like exercise of any kind. Legs up the wall, like movement and legs up the wall. But also I've been doing a hard workout once a week too. I mean, not that Melissa isn't hard, but like a sweaty workout too, just for my heart. And like that, I feel like it's been helping as well. And then honestly... I will say, everyone already said it, but dogs be good for anxiety. Oh, yeah. Very regulating. Dog cuddles, very nice. Also, like, I, he's a puppy, so he has so much energy. So I feel like just like going outside, first of all, I have to watch him all the time and kind of, while that's sometimes annoying, it also takes up all my brain space. So I'm very focused and therefore cannot be as anxious. And like also being outside and just like running back and forth in the yard and stuff. And like playing with a toy and stuff like that's very simple. And I feel like that's actually wonderful for my anxiety. Yes. And I don't know. Snuggly, snuggly puppies are the best. Yeah. And I think having a, I mean, you have this with Logan, your roommate as well, but I, but you, you know, spend time apart too. I think having a being around to regulate you, like I always feel better when I'm spending time around dogs and I spend a lot of time around dogs. And then when I leave, I have to recalibrate. It's like really hard for me, especially like right now I'm going to be with a a dog that I love for a month. And I know the week after is going to be a bit shaky for me. Yeah. It's very regulating and having someone excited to see you when you get home. It's real high. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's the best. I have wanted a dog for so long and then obviously had some angst about it. And then now I'm just very happy. And I know that he will not be biting me forever. You're doing great. Honestly, by the time this comes out, he may not be biting me anymore. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of updates. This is kind of a cool so episode. Many updates. It is. Yeah. You guys, we made it. We we really were going to... We were talking about the fact that we really wanted to keep all the episodes this season to like an hour. Thank you all for being here with us today. I hope you learned some new fun facts about each of us. <laughs> we hope you will enjoy this season. We have some really wonderful things planned for you. We may have to replan them since I'm an asshole who somehow lost this document, uh, but it's going to be great. You haven't heard this in a while, likely. So Katie, shall we disclaim? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Rite of passage. First disclaim of the... Of the season, of the year, as we figured out. We love a disclaimer. As you may have gathered from this conversation, neither of us are doctors. 
fact, we are also not mental health professionals or experts of any kind. We are just two friends sharing our experiences with anxiety. If you are struggling with your mental health, we strongly encourage talking to a professional. We love therapy. We really, really do. And remember, if you're spiraling, you are not alone. You are not weird or damaged or crazy. And you don't owe anyone an explanation for your mental health. And we love you. We We love you so much. We love you. Bye. Happy season four. Happy season four. All right, that's it. The official, very official (laughs) spiraling disclaimer, which I mentioned earlier. I so appreciate you listening and checking out this show if it is something new to you. Taking a dive into the (laughs) deep waters of uh, my anxiety and my friends. You heard my voice enough today. Love you so much. Let me know if you need anything. You know where to find me. You'll figure out where to find Serena. And happy holidays. Happy December, the busiest time of the year for some, for many, the most wonderful time for others, (laughs) for few. No, I don't know. Maybe many. Okay. I love you. Bye-bye.